0: You're listening
1: to Whoa! Potluck. Potluck
2: And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 157 My name is Marvin Nguyen and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days We have the once and future professional Asian American Jess Jew. Hello hey, Jess. Marvin Welcome back
0: Thank you. I am back from the humid, sticky jungle of New York.
2: (laughs) Welcome back and also happy Dragon Ball Festival there. It's Dragon Ball Festival. Yeah, yeah. 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 My mom's
0: making Hella Zongzi and um, it's also summer solstice on the day recording. It's the longest day of the year. Yeah. That's kind of cool.
1: Wait, I could get some dragon...
0: Yes, if you want some, let me know. I will... I will. Yes. Yes. Sure. Yeah, so it's
2: the, some it's, the, it's, the, to, it's the holiday where we eat the the lotus wrapped sticky rice. It's one
1: of my favorites.
2: That's <laughs> why so my uncle calls it the Chinese tamale, which... Yes, I that is, is yeah.
0: also what we call it because that just seems to be the easiest yeah. interface <laughs> to be used in LA. I have a question.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you like the sweet version better or the savory version better? Savory I all
1: like, the way. I don't eat the sweet
2: I one. agree. My wife savory. is s- sweet all the way.
1: No, weird. I mean and, the rice itself is a little bit sweet. So like I feel like it needs savory insides.
2: Must be a northerner thing.
1: Well, I I also we also um my
0: mom makes the specific Shanghainese version, which is like doused in soy sauce. Yeah.
2: Like,
0: Meat like we don't do the it's it's like just very, very salty and it's delicious. And I'm you know, I'm biased, but my mom legitimately does, I think, make the best version <laughs> of that. Um so I can't even get it elsewhere. It um, sounds
2: good. I mean, we talked about this. Jess and I are both from our families ancestrally are from the same area like, region general of region China. so yeah. yeah, so <laughs> we have
0: like very similar, I think, tastes in terms of like what mm. what version of traditional yeah. foods we like because China's huge, and there's many versions. Yeah. um but no my mom slaps she's also she's self-taught this is like not a <laughs> passed down recipe she just kind of figured it out over the years and she's the only one in her entire generation who knows how to make it oh no so every single year she's like turning that shit out and then i looked at her i'm like look i gotta make these because if i don't learn no one else in my family is gonna learn and then i tried and she she did the asian mom thing where she's like you're so bad at this i'm like i'm leaving so you know what? it's gonna <laughs> die with her that's I'm fine with that. Oh,
2: the struggles of generational. We could bring, we could talk yeah. more about
0: that later when we talk <laughs> about this movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Also joining us, the most professional culture editor Han Win. Hey Han. Hey. Sorry for making you hungry. I'm also very. I, we have like uh, we have tons of zones in the fridge ready for tomorrow. I'm very excited. I'm
1: highly suggestible in general. So <laughs> she like, is if, influenced. Yes, like if I'm watching Sushi Master, I have to eat sushi. Uh, someone <laughs> like. That's why it's really hard to watch all these K dramas because I've been eating so much Korean food and over the past like year because it's constantly making me crave it.
2: You know, it could be worse. Yeah. It could be making you hungry for white people food.
1: Will uh, that ever happen? I thought you were about to <laughs> say
0: like human flesh or something. That, that
1: actually, you know what? You're right. Like it rarely happens because I can watch the bear and not want a a beef sandwich. Oh, beef sandwiches like. are disgusting. I'd rather eat human flesh. I mean, it would just make me want maybe like Italian food or something different. Like I would I would transfer my, my cravings.
2: I kinda better. like a beef sandwich. Not human flesh. I, like a I would
1: rather eat
0: on the record, I would rather eat human flesh than another Italian beef sandwich. That was the most disgusting thing I've ever had. Man. tastes like, ooh, do you want slices of beef boiled in
1: mop water?
0: Now
2: I kinda I wanna go with have... portillos. I live pretty close to the portillos here in California.
1: Hmm. I've never had one. So. Hmm. <laughs> it's not great <laughs> Sandwiches are a hard sell for me Come too. at me, Chicago I will My my indignant rage at a Chicago beef sandwich God, so many, many will win <laughs> Many Chicago things are not appealing to me And I know that's like blasphemy But I was like, there's other good Chicago foods Just not the ones they're known for
2: You know, so many things are happening tonight Slash tomorrow um, Final Fantasy Sixteen is coming out So I might disappear for a weekend And also the Bears coming back And they're dropping all the episodes at once
1: yeah. Again, I I do not appreciate it on on the record. I do not appreciate <laughs> it as someone who covers media because that puts us in a very bad position.
2: <laughs> are we back in binge mode now? Because I thought I thought we were doing like the week by week thing. That no. Well, pretty
1: well for us. season one was was a binge too, and because it did so well, they are doing it again. Um, it was a uh, a grower, not a shower um, at the beginning. So it just. People found the show over time and word of mouth, so they're just doing it again as a binge. You, you would really think they'd want to drag out I the discourse, would, you know? I would want to. I mean, two uh, two episode drops a week would be great. Um, yeah, because that show's
2: intense, too. Like, every episode, it like, is like, I need a break. Right?
1: Like, I, I already think I have an ulcer. I don't need another one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, The Bear. But So that's what I'll probably be watching this week. <laughs>
2: Me, too. I have screeners,
1: but I got them late. So.
2: <laughs> Well, we'll probably discuss that as what's popping for next week, yeah. but we'll save that. Uh, this week, we are discussing the new Pixar animated film, Elemental, which was, I guess, a surprise Asian-American film. I did not expect, but uh, <laughs> before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is being used through this week. Uh, let's start with Jess, fresh back from New York City. Uh, what's popping?
0: So, like you, Marvin, I took a show on the great white way of broadway (laughs) unlike you marvin i don't know what the fuck i watched i ended up buying tickets to gray house it is a play not a musical by Uh. levi holloway it stars you know a a very impressive cast including tatiana mansley Mas- Maslani. Maslani. Maslani, Maslani of Orphan Black Fame, who, you know, I think generally we love. Lori mm-hmm. Metcalf who was oh, a I very respected stage and theater actor. And like some other dude on like Broadway Empire, I'm not familiar with. Weirdest fucking show I've ever seen. Um, did I understand what the fuck was happening? No. Did I enjoy it? Kind of. Am I glad it exists? Yes. Um, I do think this is you need the weirdo plays on a main stage like broadway once in a while so very conflicted about kind of generally the experience um the the basic premise is a young couple wrecks their car in the mountain during a blizzard and they take shelter in a cabin oh no occupied by a group of weird teenage girls and an old lady and then she gets weird
2: i'm looking at the website and it looks like a creepy show
0: yes it's like a psychological thriller creepy show much better than two 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 i think it was much (laughs) more interesting Mm. but and like again really really fantastic performances but man i literally walked me i watched it with my friend and we like sat outside and we're like okay so what just can we just like recap like what do you think happened versus like like are we supposed to like have an answer? It was, it was very much a play that did not live in the realm of reality or groundedness, right? It was playing with like the medium of it, which again, I really respect. And I love that these weirdo plays exist. (laughs) But the funny thing is walking home, I was walking next to another couple who had just seen the show as well. And they're like, they were having the exact same conversation. Like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Like, did I get this right? I'm like, I don't know. Like, does it matter? I don't know. So that's fun. It was um, yeah. So, you know, it I feel like I'd rather be weirded out or like confused than I would be than I, I would be bored, right? Like, I think that's yeah, to me, that is an element of success. If you're like, I'm obviously still thinking about it. But yeah, like would I recommend people watch this play? No. <laughs> I Am mean, I glad it's there? Yes.
2: At least he didn't walk out saying that was a waste of time. Right?
0: Mm. No, because I was just so confused. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, and I was just like, man, I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna be like, hmm, that was okay. Mm.
2: That was a Broadway.
0: That was a Broadway, and, and you know, I, I very deliberately chose not to go to a very, like, popular one or a musical this time, and I'm like, mm, was that a good idea? I don't
2: know. I mean, you could have went to the previews for that Britney Spears jukebox musical.
0: Well, see, the thing is, those, you know the musicals will always tour. The musicals mm-hmm. are always going to get to you in Los Angeles. It's not like we live in, like, a cultural desert, but I'm just like... What did I just? Watch? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that's that's my poppy. I wish I wish I could give you more definitive answers, Marvin. But I still don't know what happened.
2: You know, you've sold me. If this ever comes to L.A., I might just watch it, and then we can discuss right? just to
0: be like, what happened? <laughs> um, but really, this play really did have everything. It had um, ghosts and Nazis and um, a satanic ritual circle. Uh, at which point I just turned to my friend and I'm like, I would merely just leave. <laughs> like if I was this lady in this house, I would merely just leave at this point. Blizzard be damned. Um, and I was talking to Raymond about this and I was like, I know you definitely would have left. Um, and he's like, yeah, I don't care. And, and generally she's kind of stuck there because her husband who's in the car with her is hurt and has broken his leg or broken his ankle. So I'm just like, uh, he was like, I would have merely just carried you on my back and we would have left. Like, we will figure it out. I'd rather take my chances out here. I was like, I feel the same exact way. I'm glad, like, our survival instincts align. <laughs> um. So yes, I would, I, I sometimes the rational part of me when I watch some of these plays is just like, mm, no, this is some white nonsense. I would merely <laughs> just leave.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of ghosts and satanic rituals and Nazis... Han, what's popping with you? Sorry, uh, did I tee you for the right one? You have two choices here. Yeah,
1: no, no. You're, <laughs> I chose the one that you teed me up. All right. So yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I saw a screening of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I went in blind because I'm like, it's an Indiana Jones and he's old. What else do I need to know? <laughs> so I actually was surprised that Fleabag was in it. Um, she's not not her real name not her character name just fleabag phoebe waller bridge who i actually adore i think she's like ever since fleabag it's kind of like you know i think she's so brilliant she's not only just really smart creative person but i think she's actually a very fun performer she knows what works for her um she's a tall drink of water but uh the thing is i don't like so it felt like she was number two On this, so she was like his foil in a way. Um, What she plays is his goddaughter. He had teamed up with some uh, person back in the Nazi days. He wasn't a Nazi, but you know they were opposing Nazis. And so when that guy had a kid, you know that became his goddaughter. So she comes back into his life um, because she is pursuing something that he had stolen from the Nazis, and um, and it's called the Dial of Destiny. Uh, yes, there, of course. <laughs> there is a uh, scrappy young ethnic kid who also tags along uh, that she is, uh, she had acquired as sort of like a, a sidekick. So he's kind of like a short round, but not really. So it's her scrappy assistant, it's ethnic her, assistant. Yes, it's her scrappy assistant who comes along for the ride. So it is a trio going on this adventure. And they are opposing... Uh, a former Nazi who's played by M- Mads Mickelson. I guess he is currently a Nazi, but, you know, ever a Nazi in his heart. Um, but uh, it's it's a little wild. It's a really long movie. So sorry for those who are really happy about, you know, Joyride being 90 minutes. This I looked at my phone in the middle of the movie. I was like, how long do I have? It was 153 minutes. Uh, it's not bad, But it's also kind of like a mess in the Marvel way where they're like, it's too long and there's too many things. And like at the two hour mark, are you like, really? And um, there's a lot going on. They because he is old and he plays old in this, um, he does have his scrappy moments, Harrison Ford. But um, actually, the big action sequences are done by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which I was like, that's kind of cool. Right. And I was just like, are they... Making her the next Indiana Jones? Or, Which is or like funny because... I was very confused because I've never seen that in her repertoire. I think she's fantastic. But I was like, is that what's going on here or am I wrong? And I, so I'm actually kind of confused about like if that's, you know, like spoiler alert, they all live. So, um, <laughs> so it's not like she dies or anything. Um, but you see a lot of familiar faces. From back in the day, um, John Reese davies uh, and some other people I will not spoil. So, you know, fans of the original will see a few familiar faces. I did not see Short Round um, because this was filmed before all of the everything everywhere all, all at once went on. I don't think that there was a uh, a mid-credit sequence because I didn't stick around for it. But I think I would have heard about it by now. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> glad that
2: because I would have been a little contrived. And right,
1: right, right. I, I, I think he'll come back. There'll be another one. Most likely if he's not dead, they're going to make,
2: well, if Disney's MCU in this whole thing, then yeah, there it's going to be all callbacks. I am curious because, Mm -hmm. okay. Was there any mention of Henry Jones, the third played by Shia LaBeouf in the fourth film? who was supposed to take over for him.
1: Fourth film doesn't exist. Uh, (laughs) in, In my Canon, it doesn't exist. Um, yeah, and and there is really no. Uh, so they did discuss. It was, was Henry the Third, his son, or is Henry the Third some other?
2: Well, he's Henry Jones Jr. So Henry Jones Senior is Sean Connery's character right. from the Last Crusade. So I hate that I know son? all this, but I was a big fan. Yeah, he's the son of
1: um, Marion Jones and, and Marion,
2: the heroine okay. from the first film. So,
1: so I don't know if I want to spoil this then. Because there is a mention.
2: Okay. Well, Do at least, not spoil it. Tell us later. As long as <laughs> they acknowledge later. the canon that they've already set for themselves.
1: But I the funny guess? part of it is, despite hearing about him, I forgot it was Shia LaBeouf because I blinked that movie out of my mind. <laughs> uh, so, But Toby, well, here's the funny thing. So Toby Jones plays the the pal of Indiana Jones, who is the father of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And you know, Toby Jones is short. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, like, a giantess. So I was just like, that's interesting casting there." there. Um, you, you don't see them next to each other, though, at the same time. Because when we see uh, Toby Jones, um, she's a younger version of her that we see. Anyway, so she gets to do a lot of stunts. But also she's a fun character in that she is super brilliant and smart and archaeology, you know, focused. But also a little bit uh, ethically gray, you know. All about selling to the highest bidder, stealing things to sell, um, so there, and she's uh, a little crazy in that like you know she's she's definitely gonna jump onto uh, another person's car in order to try to take something from someone. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good fun action sequences. There's one thing I will not spoil that's totally ridiculous out there, and I was like snorting my ass off while I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, this movie is just ridiculous. So you definitely <laughs> Do they have jump to- off a dam. I will not spoil it for you. I'm just telling you right now, there is something in there and you will know it when you get to it.
2: Okay, my Um, main concern when watching that trailer, do Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge kiss?
1: No, 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 no. God, God, no. No, no. Because they're definitely
2: playing up some tension in that trailer.
1: I mean, you are right to be worried about that because whenever an aging action star, you know, starts getting up there, even if they're not even up there, they pair him with a younger, sexy woman, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're getting together, but they just are using that like woman for extra, you know, uh, screen time. So they did that in Fast X, and because I was just like, "Well, this is a random woman who's just hanging out with him," um, but no, they make it very clear. Goddaughter, I think it's in the editing of the trailer that you notice tension. There's definitely none of that shit going on in the movie, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's just what people decided to make happen in the trailer. And I, I having known trailer editors before, there's a lot of control they have. And that means they can mislead also, um, including like they'll play songs that are not in the movie and completely change the tone of a movie. And as we will get to when it yeah. comes to this movie, this coming movie that we're talking about, uh, that means a lot of times marketing can be off. Yeah. but um, What I'm
2: hearing is Disney needs to yeah, get their marketing department In order, because they've been messing up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're kind of just... Anyway, so it was a good time, but it was also a long time, maybe too long. (laughs) Uh, If you're going with friends who kind of have your same taste, then maybe you'll enjoy it more. Because my friend wasn't able to go, so I wasn't able to, like, you know, nudge someone when all the ridiculous stuff happened. (laughs) Um, I feel bad for the the people who were near me, who heard me groan. (laughs) <laughs> <kind of Uh-oh. laughs> and laugh at the inappropriate <laughs> moments, um, but yeah, it was in general fun. Like I didn't fall asleep because I was worried about that. I had some ahead uh, time, and I was like, "Oh, am I going to be too sleepy?" Um, but it was all good. So you know, it, it's not fantastic, but it's it's a decent time at the theater.
2: Yeah, and it has mats, so you know, you got that. I so, love, love mats. Mads.
1: Uh, my favorite. Uh, uh, sultry, you know, mouthed, um, evil Nazi in this movie <laughs> because I don't usually like the Nazis. But, you know, he will forever be Hannibal for me. So. I
0: just find it so funny because I feel like in real life and just the interviews I've seen, he seems like a very unserious man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but he always Love plays it. like the evil dudes. It's, um, just, it's his look. He he can be very evil looking. Yeah, like, so. like very angsty evil dudes because he's Jin Erso's dad in Rogue She's One, got just, right?
2: He's, he just has one of those faces, right?
0: Like he's yeah. always... Tortured, yeah, yeah. Love that so, for him.
1: So you know, he. I think they could have used more of him. You know, just because I like him so much. But there, it was a it was a packed movie. You will see a lot of other familiar faces in there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's me. Uh, what about you, Marvin? What's happening?
2: All right. So as we all know, Top Chef ended um, two weeks ago, and so there is a Top Chef sized hole in my heart <laughs> for high quality. Um, food cooking competition, and so to attempt to fill that hole, I watched Morimoto Sushi Master. That's streaming mm. now on Roku. Um, it is a sushi cooking competition um, mm. hosted by well hosted by Lyrica Okano, who plays Niku Minoru in The Runaways on Hulu, and who also reprises that role in the video game Midnight Suns, which I mm-hmm. have been playing a bunch of this past few months. So it's kind of weird to kind of put a voice to the face. Mm-hmm. Um, the guest judges are um, Kenji Lopez, who is um, mm-hmm. the author of The Food Lab, like a very prolific, like cookbook writer, YouTube mm-hmm. personality. And also, like, I think he was one of the original producers for Good Eats, right?
1: Yeah, he, he's, he's, he has deep cred.
2: Yeah. And then the other guest host is Dakota Weiss, who is um, I guess a white lady who runs a bunch of poke restaurants. And they oh. announced her as a top oh, yeah. chef alum. What? For she which must I have was not like, made I made it don't very remember far because I do yeah. So I looked it I up don't. and she was one of the contestants in that cursed Texas season.
1: Oh interesting. Still do not know her.
2: That's the one I'm with like- um, that's the one where Paul Key won and Beverly Kim was bullied.
0: Oh, racist yeah. bully. Yeah. Oh, weird.
2: Mm, um, yeah, she was, I think, the third one eliminated from that year. But Okay. Um, and then Morimoto also uh, is a guest judge, him being the namesake of the sushi mm-hmm. competition. And yeah. one of the later episodes, um, Shota Nakajima of Top Chef, also jumps into um pinch oh, hit for Kenji Lopez. So, um, right. For Kenji. So. Well,
0: do you I think also- he's jumped into being a better father. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's
2: Maybe making money, now. right?
1: I, uh, yeah, I was about to watch this and then I started and then I was like, wait, I need sushi. So I stopped.
2: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's a pretty competent cooking show, um, kind of similar to all the other Netflix cooking shows that you've seen. A bunch of professional chefs come in and they they get put through a bunch of challenges, you know, a quick fire like an elimination challenge on different, I guess, sushi or Japanese cuisine related themes. And what was interesting is, and this is what I was like wondering about going into the show, is how do you make a cooking competition mm-hmm. about sushi a a cooking style that is all about precision and honing your skills over a long period of time and simplicity? And watching the show, I realized that the, the, the title is a little misleading. It should really be called Morimoto's American Sushi Challenge <laughs> because that's essentially what it is. Like the challenges are... Show your creativity by making your own baked roll, or um, take these American classics and put a Japanese spin on them. The stuff that they are putting out is stuff you would see at like a kabuki or a katsuya, as opposed to like mm. a Japanese sushi restaurant. Okay, um,
1: which is, I guess, uh, which is kind fine. Of a bait and it's just switch? it's
2: it's kind of well, it's a bait and switch. In, if you're like us and mm. into like more authentic sushis. Uh, right. I think for the general public, this is what sushi is to them, right? So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. This is not Jiro <laughs> Dreams of
2: Sushi, this, this is competition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I just
0: remember the time I had a Philadelphia roll and I'm like, why is there cream cheese? On this? Yeah. <laughs> Some well, people I mean, love I'm, that shit, man.
1: Well, I remember the longest time I was just like, would not touch a roll because I was just like, that's not sushi. And then yeah. when they added like, yeah, cream cheese or stuff, I was like, ah. So, I mean, I've since learned to eat various American rolls. And some of them I like better than others. But for the most part, I still like just the nigiri.
2: Yeah. I don't mind a roll now and then. Yeah. And, and I realized the temper of my expectations when the one Japanese-American chef, he's, I think, it's a, a Sansei Hapa from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And in his, like, introduction, he talked about how he was inspired to make sushi when he went to Katsuya in L.A.
1: What? Oh, oh. I don't like Katsuya. <laughs> I mean, look, you can want, get something mm. solid from them, but a- at the same time, it's kind of like it's just so <laughs> Americanized. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy
0: for him. It's
1: yeah. I mean, it's fine. I would even be like if even if he went to what's the the, uh, the hand roll place Th- that still would Katsunori. Kazunori. is from
2: Yoshinozawa. That's right, right. Sugar fish. I would be. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, I would be like. That that would make sense, but cuts.
2: (laughs) Not even Japan. We're snobs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, the cast is actually pretty diverse, um, as expected for a sushi challenge. Um, We have five Asians and three non-Asians. One black guy and two two white people.
1: Do I want to watch this? (laughs) (laughs)
2: and the interesting thing is two of the frontrunners are actually Filipino chefs um, one from New York and one from Orlando who has a Michelin star and made a big deal about it in the first episode and it was funny because the other New York Filipino chef um, she was like this guy has a Michelin star but let's be real it's from Orlando
0: I love her already (laughs) love her
2: (laughs) yeah and I guess my main criticism of the show would be um, the strength of the cast, because um, you know how in a regular season of Top Chef, there's a good chance that you would want to eat at any of the contestants restaurants if you had mm-hmm. the chance, unless they're like super racist to Beverly Kim. Right. You want to go there to restaurants, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> None of yes. these chefs gave me mm-hmm. that feeling.
1: Aww.
2: Even the winner, like they won, but I was like, I'm not going to go seek out your food. You know, nothing you made really wowed me. But I'm oh, glad that you that's won. a shame. You know?
1: I don't think I can watch this then. Because even though I don't love sweets, I do have to say Great British Baking Show still inspires me to bake, even if it's just like a weird terrine or it's a bread, a braided bread or something like that. Whereas, I don't know. If I don't want to eat the food.
2: I guess I was kind of home. Because like, the thing is, those judging staff, they're all pretty legit. Like, Kenji the mm-hmm. Al Lopez is a pretty legit like food person morimoto is like Mm -hmm. the man right and i kind of get why the show is the way it is because morimoto is um credited to bringing sushi to the american palate and he did so by doing this stuff to it making it like more palatable right so Mm -hmm. i get why that theme works but i kind of do wish that we had like a better caliber contestants but that might be asking too much for the first season of a roku show right um, right
1: right i don't want to be too harsh about it like maybe i'll check it out maybe i won't but yeah i'm kind of like i don't know if this yeah. is for me
2: but if you have time to kill the whole it's six episodes it goes pretty quickly do um, i have time it's like to kill? yeah it's it's not very high stakes viewing so it's something okay. you can just put on when you're like we you, you just need okay. something to watch
1: i um, I, I will yeah. order that sushi and then <laughs> okay
2: but yeah that's what's popping for me Um, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're talking about Elemental stick around Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Roman. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh,
0: yes. Quarantine Comics. The weekly comic book club where
2: I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Roman Segal,
0: team up to discuss
2: some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Luen Yang, You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff they could just read the books of us right
0: yes they could do
1: that but you could also just send us money
2: no ryan that's not how passion podcast projects work why
0: in the hell are we even doing this
2: uh i'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode <clears throat> so tune in each week to quarantine comics that's qtdcomics.com. set phasers to fun And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about Elemental, the latest film from Disney's Pixar studio. Uh, Elemental takes place in a world of anthropomorphic elements represented by earth, water, air and fire. And follows the story of Ember Lumen, played by Leah Lewis, who we last saw in Netflix's The Half of It, who is the daughter of Fire Elementals, who immigrated to Element City uh, for a better life. As she struggles to prove to her parents that she's ready to take over the family business, which is a convenience store in the fire district of Element City, um, while also navigating an interracial relationship with Wade, a water elemental that her parents don't approve of. And I had a really great time watching this film, but I did not expect the child of immigrant storyline. It really did feel like an Asian American film, which is something that I feel like the trailers didn't really do a good job Advertising did not lead with that. Um <laughs> yeah, which is
0: so strange. Uh, cause that was a bigger story than even the people not getting long like like the prejudice storyline. It was more about like it was a very internal story, right? About like how do you live up to the expectation of the sacrifice your parents made. And then some the, the The romance and kind of the, like, guess who's coming to dinner part
1: is kind of, like, secondary. I mean, look, I didn't watch the trailer because, I mean, as we've heard, I don't watch a lot of trailers. (laughs) But from what everyone else I heard, they were like, oh, I thought this was going to be, like, inside out. So that already tells you how badly, you know, the marketing was. Like, I mean, they marketed as,
2: like, to me, it had, like, Zootopia vibes. Like, it's Zootopia. Oh, my God. (laughs)
1: It's so off. (laughs)
0: yes and that's not what it was at all
1: yeah i i mean i i i actually don't know like i watched the whole thing and i did like it but i actually don't know if what i would have landed on as a trailer for this if i were making it because as as we've mentioned there are a lot of storylines here but also what's the storyline you want to highlight in a trailer because as of yet, I don't think America, unless you are watching anime, um, is really down with watching animation for everyone. Usually they still think of animation for kids with enough for not to bore adults, right? So we we don't have like an equal sort of like Miyazaki here um, that's going to do as well. Or, or like Suzume did Gangbusters in Japan. But we're not going to have an animated film that's going to do like that unless it's four kids. Right. Um, so I think this is one of those where it fell kind of in the middle. They didn't know what to do with it. So they just did something totally wrong with the trailer. I mean,
2: yeah, the trailer um, they led with, like Zootopia, but elements. And also it's about a interracial romance and in Romeo and Juliet, like yeah. enemy elements falling in love, which I mean. The central story isn't that. That's a big part of it. And, but the central story yeah. is about the parent, like parental expectations and yeah. immigrant child, I guess, trauma, which they did have that film like last year with Turning Red. I mean, they have yeah, like...
1: That was great. A
2: template for <laughs> yes. that, right? Like yes. I feel like if they had led with that, like people will understand that story well enough to be able to recognize, oh, this is a story about elements, but it's about like... Living up to your parents' dreams,
1: but it's also these are adults because these are grown children, right? These are yes. not kids, <laughs> and so I think that's where I kind of got a little bit lost because I, I for some reason still thought they were like teenagers, like sixteen or something. I mean, we're uh, always <laughs> teenagers
2: to immigrant. Yeah,
1: parents. and then they were like falling in love, and I was like, oh, oh, wait, she's taking of the business. Oh, oh, she's like an adult, and or at least a, a new adult, right? Um, and so I was a little bit kind of confused about how far they were gonna go (laughs) because i i didn't know that you guys gonna you guys gonna do it (laughs) yeah i was it was weirdly like hot like this this movie was kind of sexy in a way that i i was like unprepared for um or at least the literally hot (laughs) yeah there there was there was some not you know almost all of these films have some sort of like underhanded jokes that maybe kids won't get which is fine. But this one definitely had a lot more uh, flirting that I was kind of used to. So I was just like, oh, this is not what I expected at all. And so I think that's another sort of problem where I was just like, even I, who talks about anime, I was just like, oh, I didn't think this was going to be as adult as it was. So,
2: But um, wasn't hot yeah. flirting? I mean, the main male lead, Wade, it's, was kind of a hymn himbold- it- Dirty her, her
1: design was kind of sexy. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> I just I think it's just Okay, here's my take. I think I don't understand slash I do not think this needed to be an animated movie. And okay. So so and I didn't think you needed the like filter of like this is a cute like anthropomorphic something. I'm like yeah. you're just making people. Like like there is Like you know, with Zootopia, there was like a like I think they were able to kind of make the metaphor work a little bit more, like the predator versus prey thing. But like I'm just like you're just anapomorphizing like elements, but they're essentially just function as people, yeah. And you have a few sight gags, so I'm just like, and and that I think combined with like the multiple storylines, how it's a little bit more mature in theme, and and how. There's kind of two, I think they're trying to do the same thing about like living up to your parents' expectations with two different problems, which was mm-hmm. the taking over the store and then the falling in love with someone who like your parents wouldn't mm-hmm. accept. And I think the waters just got a little muddy mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in that way. And then the the Pixar, and it, it it's, it's weird because, you know, I think we come from an era where like Pixar was like just, banger after banger but Mm -hmm. you know like the whole like pixar of it of where like we're gonna set this in a fun like environment and show you a great city as much as i always enjoy disney urban planning Mm -hmm. it's like when i I would watch a whole just like b-roll of that like that wasn't enough to i think overcome some of the lack of cohesiveness there were definitely some moments that worked and i definitely i i did enjoy it i cried Mm -hmm. um but i'm also just like Y'all just, sh- Peter Stone. I think you should have just made a little, like, indie movie mm-hmm.
1: with Leia Lewis. Yeah, it's, it's like, the execution, the, the world building was fantastic. I enjoyed it. But I don't know if I enjoyed it with the story. So there was a disconnect for me. Like, I definitely liked some parts of it. I did cry also. Um, there were some wonderful, like, imaginative and kind of gorgeous scenes, but it was all sort of taken like a uh, piecemeal for me. Um, yeah. I don't know if overall I felt like it was in May sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, it definitely had some of that Pixar whimsy and cleverness, but I feel like it kind of ran into the same issues that Zootopia did, which is mapping racism onto
1: <laughs> animals.
2: Yeah. Animals and elements, which, mm-hmm. You end up relying on stereotypes, which ends up making the allegory a little shallow. Yeah. Yes.
0: Right? But then so like that I kind of thought was a little shallow. But then there are some scenes and there was some dialogue that I thought was like
1: mm-hmm.
0: actually explored and just very explicitly stated some things. Um I, I actually so so as much as I think the dual storyline same theme made it maybe less tight some of my favorite i think they i actually think this is one of the better Mm -hmm. movies i've seen recently talking about interracial relationships and why they're hard Mm -hmm. or why they can be hard yeah um and while and and i'm of two minds because i do think some of it some of the dialogue is so on the nose like they're just outwardly saying it i'm also like that is actually a really good way to phrase it like like, I think it hits so true. Do I think these characters need to be speaking so directly? Maybe not. But, you know, I think there was a line where she's like, your inability to understand is just, una- just like, another example of why this won't work. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, that's actually a very, <laughs> yes. like, very, I think, insightful, like, brief line of dialogue that, like, shows the challenges of interracial relationship." I mean, we see, like, that class difference. We see, like, the lack of the difference of like emotion and like like cult in, in the cultures and all that was like, oh, this is actually quite. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think the mapping of class to the elements worked pretty well because like we see in the intro that this is a city made for water people. But then the fire people came and just made do with it because they had to come. They had no choice but to come. So it kind of has yeah. that like refugee, like, like
1: ethnic enclave. Yeah. thing. And they weren't Um. allowed to go and see this one particular exhibit. (laughs) I was just like, "Wow, they really went there." Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) And like the fire people, they're definitely like mapped around Koreans, right? Like convenience store owning anger issues.
0: (laughs) I definitely saw that, which is why I actually had a little bit of a problem Mm. with the um, the creation of this fake or not fake. Like it's it's an image. Like again, I think this is an issue with like anthropomorphizing like, racism is like, okay, we're creating, like, this fire culture, which is so obviously, like, based in Peter Sun's background, and, like, a Korean background, and, you know, like, we know, like, liquor, you said it yourself, Marvin, like, this would be a great double feature with liquor store dreams, (laughs) like, we know that's a thing, like, Korean, and, like, you know, the anger, the temper, the Han, the Korean owned convenience store, like, these are all kind of images that we understand, but then, you know, the voice actors aren't necessarily Korean, which I find in Leia's case because, you know, she's supposed to be more of a third, you know, second-gen, America, quote-unquote American, or elementalized city kid. Um, but, you know, her dad, like... Was voiced by Ronnie Del Carmen, who is mm-hmm. not Korean, but he was using like East Asian inflections.
1: Yeah, I was and just I thought like that was kind of weird. Are they supposed to be just generally pan Asian? Like
0: I was, yeah, like mm-hmm. I didn't understand. I feel like that was like a like a like an a, almost an appropriative way of looking at something. It felt
2: a little Oriental, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think it's
0: I think it's because like. I don't know if, like, a general public understands it and and would read that, because I think we're just so we're just, professional Asians. We're too deep Asians, into it. yeah. We're, we're like, deep. oh, this is obviously a Korean, a very specific Korean-American allegory, right? Uh, versus, like, you know, for those, like, oh, it's a general immigrant, or it's, like, broadly Asian. I'm like, no, no, no. It is very specifically Korean to me. Um, and I do think, you know, mom is rendered looking like an ajima uh, a little bit in some cases.
2: Which... Did tickle me. I did enjoy Ajima Fire Mom.
0: She was fun. And, okay, yeah. And 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 my big thing is the inconsistency of how everyone wears clothes really bothers. <laughs> me. I, and also the
1: need for clothes.
0: I was like, very confused. Like I feel very uncomfortable the fact that like Fire Dad only wears pants.
1: Also, what are their clothes made of? Chainmail.
2: Well, and what is her clothes? With hers chainmail. is
1: chainmail.
2: I'm imagining his. But like, was probably why does rubber? she?
0: Why does she have like a top and a skirt? But mom only has a shirt. But yeah. dad only has pants, and Wade doesn't wear pa- like it's, it's all very. It's just upsetting fashion. To me. There's
2: no shame here. It's just fashion. You just want to look but, but, good.
0: But you know, I'm just looking at dad, and he's just like naked on the top with these little panties on, and I'm just kind of like, you dad, seen put some clothes on. Like,
2: maybe not Ajusies. I don't know if Ajusies is, this, but like Chinese uncles definitely were. That works. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. I understand, but this is a children's movie, Marvin. And I was yeah. just like, oh, I was like, this is just I know this is not the point of this movie, but I am very
1: bothered oh right now. No, I mean these these details matter. It's like, well, it's not as bad as like I think it was was it a bug's life or ants? One of those had not enough legs on the on the inset, right? And so so it's like Kids are gonna wonder too if they watch this film. I don't know if they will. Um, So yeah, I think those details and consistency matters. That's why I delighted actually in sort of some of the smarter moments when it came to you know how they manipulated the elements and like what their strengths were. Because um, I don't think this is really a spoiler, but you know something that she's able to do is she can pick up glass and like or or you know or sand glass and sand and sort of like heat it up and reform it. And I was like, oh, cool. Like this made me want to watch those glass blowing shows. Um,
2: how many people it, do you think learn that glass is actually melted sand from this film? I think
1: they will. <laughs> from this film, they will. Um, but yeah, so I, I I like those moments when they actually kind of put a little bit of thought into the creativity that we see in the storyline and how it plays out. Um, but it's, it's, it, 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 I I feel like, not all of that attention was given. Maybe it's just for me, like I do want consistency, <laughs> you know, like make yeah. it make sense to me. Yeah. So I think,
0: I mean, I think generally inconsistent, I think we can all agree it's, it was inconsistent, mm-hmm. but I mean, my question is do the highs outweigh maybe the parts that weren't so smooth?
2: Well, I mean, for me, definitely all of your points stand. Those are things I did think about, but I did enjoy the film and the story enough that those things didn't, I guess it wasn't a deal breaker for me. Like It was like, huh, that's interesting, you know, what laws of reality choose to apply or not apply. But in general, I felt like I was really pleasantly surprised with like, especially the Children of Immigrant story that was the core of this film. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty well done. And, you know, I I, I really like, I went to see it with my wife and she was really like, she really enjoyed it too.
0: Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. I, I do think the, you know, like the most efficient or effective thread of this is Am- Ember and her like dealing with, you know, the expectations and man, she just Leah and Leah Lewis kills it as mm-hmm. Ember just mm-hmm. like fucking like, I'm just like, Oh, like, wow. They're not even like trying to be subtle about this. They're <laughs> just, they're just saying shit. Like the only, the only sac the only thing you could pay back with this sacrifice is a sacrifice of your own. I'm like, God damn it, bitch. <laughs> I'm not ready to cry at like two o'clock in the, the afternoon with like there's a fucking kid like sitting on the left of me i'm like Ugh.
2: yeah <laughs> there were definitely and sniffles even... all over my my theater and like people look, were yeah. relating hard
0: <laughs> i'm not even Philly i'm i you know me i'm not even the most <laughs> philly yeah. all right but like you know that shit is hard and i'm just like yeah it, it's weird because i think it's like it's it tackles that conversation pretty or the, that 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 You know, internal psychological drama pretty well for, like, you know, in this, like, children of immigrants way, you know, that's a subcategory of Asian American cinema. But, like, I do think, like, the level which approaches it is pretty basic now. Like, I think we've actually, as a community, have moved past Mm -hmm. that level. But I think it handles the interracial relation part pretty well. But then I I feel some type of way about Mm -hmm. how the casting is, like, Wade is obviously like privileged white coded and he's voiced by an African American actor who that is was a great wild. who did great yeah. job. It's <laughs> I'm not talking about anything about talent, but like just like you know, as someone who was a professional like DEI person for so many years, like, like it, it's kind of breaking my brain a little bit. Like, okay, so you have this like obviously like white privilege coded character. Um, you know i do think it's an overall healthy relationship like he brings out you know sensitivity and vulnerability and he's like supportive and all that that's great but you know it's voiced by a black actor and then it's set in a korean coded convenience store family (laughs) and they are against water people
1: and I'm just like, this is too many layers. It's I I yeah. can't do this right <laughs> I, now. I I agree that despite some of the good things they've landed on when it came to the interracial relationships, I think they could have cut that out. There were way too many plots that, and it, and I think that's what created the layers of like weirdness um, that they didn't need to go there. He could have just been a friend, you know, um, and and not added that extra layer of you know, I don't know. It was just. There were, there was, and then of course they made me think about sex between elements, and I was just like,
2: I mean, uh,
1: yeah, obviously
2: Peter has horny thoughts, like <laughs> this is what he thinks about. But I feel like <laughs> I actually I didn't mind the romance at all. I mean, I feel like the definitely the the children of American story was the stronger part and the heart of the film. But the interracial relationship between Ember and Wade, I felt like it did complement the main storyline because you know this is a story about Ember and her trying to bridge the her two sides, right? Her, her her heritage from her fireside and her identity as an elemental city, you know, person, which is a multicultural city. And I think the the idea of love transcending, like, race, I, that I, is I, yeah. a worthwhile story to tell.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think the the plot was bad. I just thought it was one too many things and maybe they could have spent more time on other stuff and made it more consistent. And so I think that's what it was. It's just like maybe we drop one, you can focus on the other. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it, it made me try to think about like what, what, how are they going to procreate? Like, is that a thing? It's <laughs> <That's> um, pruning. <laughs> yeah, they call, they had a whole pruning joke. Um, yeah, it, it 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 was fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder if some of the the outdatedness of the script. Is due to the fact of like the long production cycles of these films. Because like when did this film start production? Um,
1: Typically it's five years. Yeah. These types of animated films take a while. Yeah.
2: And five years ago was 2018. The year of Agent August.
1: mm yeah
0: that's i I just think, yeah, and maybe maybe it's a symptom that like maybe it was like great and not done before when they were writing it, so typically it takes three years to write it, and they they start like really going hard on the production in the last two years to eighteen months um, so the most most of it is about writing, and um, so I think like we weren't having these conversations five years ago, but now that we're on the others, I mean it's it's almost great, right that we could talk about this, like, oh, like that that take or the level Mm -hmm. that this, but then also this is for kids, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: I mean you say that, but also like we've seen a lot of those stories because we are professional Asian Americans Mm -hmm. but those stories are still and on this stage it's still few and far between. It just feels like there's been a lot because this is the month of like American born Chinese and uh, past lives and like there's a lot of Asian stuff happening in this summer, but on this level for Disney and i, I guess it is we are we are following the year of turning red too yeah but turning red is even with yeah. all that it's still like <laughs> it, on a macro level like a drop in the bucket right it, as to what's out there
0: that's fair and um but you know like if we are talking about children of immigrants specifically chinese asian immigrant stories like it is like we we have a we're lucky right now in this moment we have a pretty good selection and i do think some of them did maybe did a little new, more nuanced, or tackled it more focused in a focused manner. Yeah,
2: I guess in terms of like, because can you really say it's Asian representation when they're fire if it's people? A fire, I don't know. I, guess, I mean, it is definitely it's definitely coded, and we definitely recognize as children. We, we recognize, recognize it. Yeah, I mean, one of the fire people literally says "aya."
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And we have a, you know, like, wow, you talk so clear for a <laughs> for a fire person. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. Yes.
2: I mean, I guess the other story is that this was one of Pixar's worst performing opening weekends.
0: Well, because they did, again, back to the top, they didn't know how to fucking market this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, this was not a Pixar film. But if anyone remembers the movie Strange World came out last year, if you don't, there's a reason why um, it was similarly marketed awfully to the point that I actually watched the trailer for that and I had no clue what I was watching. (laughs) Um, And nobody knew what it was and didn't go to the theater. And then um, the right tried to blame it on the fact that the main character was queer. And I was like, no, no one knew this person was queer because the trailer didn't tell you. I was like, no one knew what this movie was. Um, So yeah, this seems to be an ongoing problem when it comes to at least certain... Disney slash Pixar films,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, and, do you think they just don't and... know how to market like more complicated yeah. stories? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think also on the back end, like this this movie could have been a little bit clearer. But at the same time, you're right. Like, there they could have picked a very a much clearer storyline that actually represented what you're getting. The fact that a lot of people like, what Marvin, you said it, you thought it was Zootopia esque. Other people thought it was like Inside Out, like. Neither of those things are quite right for this movie. So, yeah, yeah, it was a challenge.
2: I mean, Zootopia, because it's a a city of anthropomorphized things, right? Inside Out is anthropomorphized emotions, Emotions. but it was a a much more micro, like, internal story. This is Mm -hmm. like a city of these, which really gave the Zootopia vibes. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like... I mean, the film is what it is. And if it was marketed better or if they had a better handle on what the draw is, what the central themes are, mm-hmm. I feel like it could have done much better. I mean, the, the main thing that I've been reading or I read online leading up to it was people thought it was just looked very generic. And yeah. like the actual story is it's pretty nuanced, yeah. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like very like... Oh hey, are you a second generation mm-hmm. child of immigrants yeah. who wants to live their own life? Um and maybe has fallen in love with someone. There's there's gotta be a decent demographic of us, you know, who would watch this movie and then like help get the word out. I feel like they just again didn't because you know what? I think this isn't a movie for kids. I think this is like.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Pixar movies this, haven't been specific for kids for a long time. I feel like.
0: Yeah, but even more than usual, I feel like the themes of this. It's like it's not about. I mean, it, it's a coming of age still in its way, but. The main character is not a kid. Like she's not a kid, and it's it's theme. It's like pretty complicated themes that you kind of need to understand.
2: Like I guess, but I mean, Toy Story. Those main characters, those aren't kids. Those are adults in toy bodies, but but
0: they're They're, toys. So, like that's that's kind of yeah. I I, I don't know.
2: Having like adult problems, like jealousy, and that's kid problems being obsolete.
1: I don't know. I still think of that as a kid's film. Really? Because um,
2: I, I yeah. see Woody's mapped onto me as like he's Dad's the old man. Like that's mm, Joe Biden right yeah. there.
1: <laughs> that said, I don't actually like the Toy Story films. So maybe there's, so- <gasps> yeah, I know, a blasphemy. Um, oh my god, I think they're boring. I think they're boring. <laughs> oh my god, huh? <laughs> um, but yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I do think though that this was harder for our kids to understand like this these themes don't really I, I just don't see that connecting anyway
2: i guess i mean for me if this was like a disney movie then yeah definitely marketed to the wrong demographic but pixar movies tend to i feel like cuz you know even wall-E was for kids like not very you know not but it's a very it's cute
1: it's cute
0: yeah i don't know how sellable some of these are and again still really upset by the um inconsistency of the pants wearing. Uh, Anyway.
2: (laughs) I mean, I don't think Disney will have any problems turning any of these characters into cute plushies. They they don't have to look exactly like the film, but at least they're like their characters, right? But yeah, I guess um, as we close out our discussion of Elemental, gotta ask, final verdict, is Elemental good pop?
1: I I think it's good enough. Um, I enjoyed myself. I thought it was a worthwhile story. I do think it's a little muddled, but like, let's say if someone's watching this at home, I I think they would have a good time. So just be aware that maybe not. I personally don't think like my like my five year old niece will really understand it, but she might like the visuals. Um, But yeah, I I felt like it's resonated in a good way that I didn't expect. Uh, Just there's just a lot going on. Um, I
0: agree with Han, um, but I will say if you are a around millennial to Gen X age and you are a child of immigrants, (laughs) give it a watch. Yeah. Because I think it does very explicitly vocalize some feelings that we've probably all had to work through and the ending will destroy you in a good way. Yeah. Well, it it destroyed me. So I don't know. It was good. Yeah. um, it and that, that moment kind of made it all work to me I and cried. and made it very sweet. So love that. And again, so Korean. <laughs> so Korean.
2: Yeah. Um, I I guess I'm more enthusiastic in saying yes, it is good pop. I really enjoyed the film. You know, there's things you can complain about in terms of the, I guess, the way that things are depicted and how many things are happening, but I had a good time watching this film. Um, the people I went with had a really great time. We were all surprised that, you know, it was literally an Asian American story, which yes. none of us were expecting.
0: <laughs> Surprise! And, yeah.
2: I think, in general, it's, it's a good film. Is it a good Pixar film? That's debatable. But in terms of, like, when you walk out of this theater, will it have yeah. been worth your time? I say yes.
0: I agree with that. Yep. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, that'll do it for a discussion of Elemental. Um, just Han, if people want to find more of your thoughts, where can they go?
1: I am still at Twitter, kind of, at just you tweets. Yeah. Uh, just keep on checking me on Twitter at Hanonymous. One of these days I'll. <laughs> I'm language. a
0: late adopter. So one day look at Hans and she'll be like,
1: you know, she'll tag me or so. I don't yeah. even know how this other platform works. So. <laughs> I signed up for Blue Sky. I haven't used it yet. I have zero followers, I'm following nobody.
2: I'll I guess we'll out. we'll wait to see where the first adopters go. <laughs> yeah. Right. That seems like the pretty seems safe like blue. There.
1: Yeah. Seems like blue sky is being populated more and more and more. So uh, I'll give a report once I use it.
2: It's just such a bad name. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, you can find me on Twitter At Marvin. You can find our show At Good Pop Club We are a proud member Of the Potluck Podcast Collective Check out a fellow Asian American host of podcast By going to the website Podcastpotluck.com um, If you check out The latest episode Of They Calls Bruce They actually interviewed Peter Song and Leah Lewis So uh, check that out And yeah Thanks for listening And we'll see y'all next time Bye everybody
0: Bye, Bye.
2: a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Phoba. just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app.